What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guy, Mr. Tad the Side. And Tad, special warning to your friends because I think today's episode oh, may is, trigger not just them. my friends. No, not just may my trigger friends. I'm, them. I'm, a, I'm. This is. I'm being attacked by all sides in tonight's episode because I'm going to piss off not just my friends but the LAFB network as well. Like I am. This is. This is. I don't know why I do this to myself. Yeah, this is going to be um, an interesting episode. I think it'll be a fun episode, but controversial, controversial I think, I think is a good word there. Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, an appropriate yeah, yeah. word mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be discussing wide receivers, and uh, yeah, I think you can sort of um, allude what we're sort of talking about that's, when it comes that's to the kindest. That's the kindest word that's going to be thrown my way. <laughs> because, yeah, we're going to be discussing a certain receiver from TCU, oh, but it may not be displayed as favorably as maybe God Tad's friends would like him to so be scared. displayed but we're gonna have some fun we're doing another rankings episode here we did our quarterback rankings episode a handful of episodes ago um we skipped the running backs it's a pretty deep class there wasn't anybody too flashy outside of obviously Bijan robinson um so yeah we're not gonna be covering every position in a podcast episode but we definitely want to talk receivers because yeah it's gonna be a very interesting class depending on the type of receiver that you need for your offense you could find that type of guy that's usually the case every year but just yeah this year i think there's a lot of hidden talent in the middle rounds i think based on tape that i've seen Mm -hmm. so far but we're going to discuss the top three guys at the top here first but Ted, like always, we definitely need to, before we get into our episode, give a shout out to our good friends at Bet Online because they remain your number one source for all your sports betting needs all season long. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, MLB, as of recording, is first pitch so is on Thursday. It so is close. two days 48 away. hours, baby. 48 we, hours. Me and Tad are co-owners of a fantasy baseball league, so that has just happened a couple of days ago. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting. We're going to be keeping up with all that, so you can bet on that, obviously. NHL is coming down to the wire here with the playoffs right around the corner. MMA, tennis, boxing, esports, golf. I mean, they got you covered on all fronts there. So make sure you head to bet online on your computer or mobile device, and you can receive a 50% of a welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. All you got to do is use our promo code BELIEVE. That's capital B L E A B. And you can receive a 50% of a welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. Once again, all you got to use, all you got to do is use our promo code BELIEVE. That's capital B L E A B. And you can receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So, like talked about, Tad. We're going to get into some receiver talk here. Let's and do it. I think That's the best way is you got to start rough. at the top here. And oh, God damn it. Based on most people's wide receiver rankings, there's a receiver from TCU who is ranked number one. And I mean, I watched tape of him. Obviously, you watched all season long of this guy mm-hmm. being a TCU fan. Yeah, a few seasons long. few seasons long. <laughs> few seasons. My, my mistake. Excuse me. Um, but obviously, you've seen a lot more of what this guy can do. So I'm curious. Um, Quentin Johnston. Like, I mean, is he number one on your board? Or is it one of these other guys where, you know, we're definitely going to get to him here. Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Or USC's. Jordan Addison I think they're all in that conversation of possibly being number one but I think it's safe to say that they're the top three um maybe you can argue that somebody could slip into the top three outside of those guys but for me I feel like those are the top three 
of this class. But I think where I want to start is who's the number one of this group. And, you know, like we talked about, this episode is going to be a little bit, you know, incendiary with the take here coming from a TCU supporter, possibly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's just let's just get into it, Tad. Just what are your thoughts on Quentin Johnson? Right. Is he the number one or is it one of these other guys? Amur, as you know, I'm a proud 2017 TCU graduate, BA in journalism. Let's go, Frogs. I went to the Fiesta Bowl. Well, it's not this, it was right? one of it's, it's the what is it? Well, no, it's it's the the fist pump of support. Well, I, yeah, but not a lot of people know this. And then you have the depth perception where it's like, what's wrong with his fingers? And it just doesn't. This is great for the podcast audience, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I'm a proud TCU graduate. I have gone to at least two games every season in the last couple of years. I will hopefully spend the rest of my life in the DFW area. And with that said, my number one receiver in the NFL draft is Jackson Smith to Jigba. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. I can already hear my friends. I'm surprised my phone isn't already blowing up from it being bugged. But look, here's the deal. I like Quinn Johnson a lot. We'll get into him in a bit. But I, I have some concerns that Najigba kind of gates. And yes, there are injury concerns with Najigba, but this guy, his just natural playmaking ability is so good. He understands how to read the defense. He understands how to find those holes in the coverage. He is so shifty that like the amount of space he is able to create is truly incredible. Now, I will say this. He does lack the elite speed that you really – well, let, let's preface – before I really get into Jigba, let's preface this. I like Addison, Johnston, and Najigba. I'm going to hit on all three guys kind of hard on their criticisms because, honestly, I don't think any of them deserve to go in the top ten. I'll say that right now. I, I don't think there is a true number one receiver in this year's draft. Everybody has their huge positives. Everybody has their huge negatives. So I don't think there is the next, you know, um, the, the next DeAndre Hopkins or the next uh, AJ Brown in this year's draft, at least with the three guys being discussed as the top receiver. I don't think any of them will be busts, but I also don't think that they'll be as good as, you know, the, their draft position may suggest. Because, of course, receiver arguably is the second most uh, valued position, maybe offensive tackle. There's a little argument there. Uh, pass quarterback. So I think a lot of these guys will go higher than they are. So I'm going to be – it's going to seem like I'm highly critical of these guys. I like all of them. I don't think any of these guys are going to bust. I just don't think any of them are going to be true number one receivers. A big reason why I don't think that for Najigba is because he played – get this, summer, 83% of his college plays were out of this slot position. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That's not – Really what you want to see out of a potential top 10 pick at receiver. Because it's a, you know, we, we've seen that with uh, Tavon Austin and Kevin White and guys like that who are, hey, this guy's a freak athlete. Let's take him, you know, yes, he's only going to be a slot guy, but still, let's take him in the top 10. And neither one of those guys worked out. Very rarely does a pure slot guy work out in the NFL. But that's the nice thing about Najigba is he's not a pure slot guy. That's where he's the most efficient, but he's not a pure slot guy. Murray, you got something? Well yeah, Ted, unfortunately, counterpoint here is that he missed majority of the 2022 season, obviously, we'll right? And then and then in 2021, 
you kind of have to play the slot when you're sharing a field with both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So I think naturally you're going to put him in the slot. But but from what I can see, he's got the talent who can play on the outside as well. But yeah, I I do agree with you. Most of his production came from the slot position. But like I said, you got to have to preface it by saying that he was also sharing a field with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, both former first round picks as well. Also fair. No, that's a very fair point. But here's my counter to that point is the fact that the reason he wasn't listed as outside is because he lacks that top end speed. He's sure. not a very fast guy. He's not a slow guy by any means. Cause I've seen Ohio state people yelling at people, other you know, scouts on Twitter being like, he's not slow. We're not saying he's slow by saying he's, he's not slow. fast. We're just saying he doesn't have that speed that, you know, is becoming more popular with wide receivers in today's NFL. So I, those are my biggest complaints with them is it's, it's durability as you brought up, but that's not sure. a huge concern. Cause I mean, hamstrings, we've seen that, you know, sideline receivers for a while. He and looks he fine has at the, the combine and he also exactly, looks fine because at he has that rare, so. Because he has that rare opportunity that NFL receivers don't, where he gets to rest for an off season. Most NFL receivers are like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then they come back for, you know, those extra bonus checks with coming to practice and stuff. Now he has all the incentive in the world. Just to be like, no, I am sitting on the couch and I'm icing this baby. So, like, he should be okay. The durability concerns don't concern me that much. Speed concerns do. That's that's going to be a little bit of an issue. But his positive, positives, let's get into his positives. Without a doubt, the best route runner in this year's draft. You cannot convince me otherwise. He is so shifty. And the best part is, and this is what I mean by spatial awareness. I know that's a scouting term a lot of people are like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. It's like, what does that mean? I don't know. Um, I'll tell you what it means is when he turns around after the catch, he can understand how the field is laid out, what is the best route, because he's not the fastest guy, what is the best route to the end zone? He may not always get there, and there's a fantastic catch he has against Rutgers, where he turns around, he notices there's a high safety, a cornerback off to the side. Some receivers would try to split the difference, right? Just go in the middle. No, what he does is he goes around the safety to the left side, and it ended up being like a 60-yard catch. Was it a touchdown? No, but it was still a massive gain for that offense. So I really, really like that he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he knows how to create separation from the cornerback, and he knows what to do with the uh, with his route running after the fact. So is there, you know, do I see, again, do I see a true number one receiver there? No. Do I see a truly valuable, uh, this is not my comp, I'm just comparing his value to the team, oh, a T. Higgins. It's not a Hall of Famer, probably. <laughs> I think he'll have a T. Higgins-like role with the team, where it is a okay. difference playmaker who makes the difference in some games. In other games, he's fine. But there are some games where he blows up, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy could be a number one. And I think that's kind of the role. Now, T. Higgins is a little faster than him, plays a little different than him. But I think that, again, with the value of both receivers, I see that being completely equal Najigba has my nod. I will get into the QJ stuff in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's safe. Like, I mean, obviously, like I said, a lot safe. of people safe have, is the best word. A lot of people have Quentin Johnson as the number one. But I mean, you look at what Jackson Smith, the Jigba has done in his college career. Like I said, unfortunately, it was majority of it was his 2021 campaign as opposed to his 2022 season. 
Um, but it's everything that you laid out. I mean, it just looks effortless when he's playing the position. Like, I mean, he's so fluid in his route running. He catches the ball. Just it looks effortless for him. Um, just consistently finds a way to get open on the field. Like, I mean, that's the best thing that you could do for your quarterback is that especially when a play, play breaks down like CJ Stroud. I know we talked about him being primarily a pocket quarterback. But like I said, we're talking about the 2021 season with Jackson Smith, the Jigba, where Stroud was being a little bit more open to getting out of the pocket, especially if there's pressure in there. So when he gets out there, your wide receivers need to be aware that it's like, okay, the play is taking a little bit longer. I need to find my quarterback. I need to possibly come back, if especially if they were all sent on deep routes, post routes, corner routes, what have you. So like we talked about, Smith and Jigba worked more out of the slot, so he was more looking to find open spots where Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were not. And he was always recognizing where CJ Stroud was, especially on broken plays. He'd come back. CJ Stroud usually always found him. He was always open, always got something instead of nothing on those broken plays. So that's definitely an advantage that he has to possibly be the best receiver in this class. I mean, mm -hmm. tracks the ball extremely well. Like you said, he could go on the deep routes. Maybe he doesn't have the elite speed, but when he gets open, he can easily score a touchdown when he beats his defenders, obviously. Um, um, big thing, too, is that you always need to make sure that receivers are willing to block. And he looks like a guy, based on what I've seen, he's willing to go out there, make some blocks, and get some open lanes for the potential ball carrier behind him, right? So I love that because it's not always the running back, too. If it's a passing play, you need to block for your receivers sometimes, too, especially on screen passes where you need especially, to set up those blocks, right? if he's, If he's going to be a slot receiver, then you got to, like, you know, back up your uh, outside receiver if it's an outside screen. So mm -hmm. that, that could be crucial. Exactly. And so I saw a lot of that when I was watching tape of his for sure. Um, I think exactly like I said, he lacks the elite speed, but this is the big thing is because he does everything else well, he will find ways to get open and move the ball down the field. You don't always need to have a receiver who has all the, you know, to use a baseball term here, doesn't need to be a five-tool player. Doesn't need to have the speed, all the route running, all the skills, everything to be a good receiver at the next level. So the fact that he could do so many good things without having that top-end speed, like, I mean... Yeah, that's the type of guy that you want in your offense. Yeah, maybe you'll use him in the slot early, but I think he could develop to be an outside guy for sure too. Um, yeah, I think just the big thing that worries me is just playing in the slot. Can he translate to the outside? I think he has the skills to do it, but necessarily, you know, like I talked about before, he played in a system where he benefited from being with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson if he lands in a situation where he doesn't have his skilled players around him. Like, can he still be as effective? You also look at Ohio State's offense that was very wide open, very widespread to get him open as well. So it's like you have to look at that factor too. But based off what I've seen, based off track record with both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they made the transition just fine. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be just fine too. Now, now, let's get to the fun part and let's transition here. Who's your number one? Who's Duke your number Quentin one? Johnston. So, oh God, I'm a Judas now. <laughs> so for me, I still have him as number one. Quentin Johnston, that is, as my number one ranked receiver. But it's not because of the skill set. It's more about the potential. Because you mm -hmm. look at Quentin Johnston, he's got the size that you want in a receiver. I believe he's 6'4 and 215 last I checked. I think it might be based off combine measurements. I think it might have been 6'3", 208 if I remember correctly. Yep, 6'3", so, 208 is what I got. There you go. Yeah, so I think that's the combine measurements is obviously what you want to take because you can't trust school websites because no, I'll get to a receiver later that his school, the, the <laughs> measurements that listed for his school is a lot different than what came with the measurements of the combine. So, But we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode. But just... 
he's a good size. That's the type of receiver bacon build that you want for a number one receiver. Great athleticism. And the biggest thing that I saw with him, which is something that you need at the next level, he's got that yards after the catch ability. Whenever mm -hmm. I see him coming off that drag route off right into the middle, Max Duggan can find him. He throws him in stride. He can take off, get moving. He gets you an extra 10, 15, sometimes 20 yards. I think there was one play. I can't remember who they were playing, but he came off a drag route. They were on the on their own side of the 50. He hits him on a drag route. He just scoots it all the way for a touchdown, just outruns Here's, here's the best part is he's done that so many times. That well, that's the thing, too. <laughs> but there's one specific team. I can't remember who they were playing, but he did it. Probably Texas. Like, I remember the Texas one. He did that. It was Texas is very possible. But just he has the capability to do it against any team. Like you said, it's just a very common thing. Thing because he has that great speed and the yards after the catch ability because the big thing too is that even not on drag routes i saw it on curl routes where it's like he has this amazing like counter spin move where it's like he catches it and he spins it the opposite way where the defender is going to tackle it so he can easily get yards of the catch ability there so he's automatically catching it and thinking about moving it up the field to get more yards than what was already after the when he made the catch excuse me right so nfl player catch this is the greatest thing, too. NFL caliber catch radius. So, I mean, he can oh, leap. Yeah. He can Big contort time. his ability to get the ball thrown his way, um, can get past the defenders with his great speed. And just unfortunately, Tad, he could have been a little bit better if he had more accuracy from his quarterback at times. Because <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, there's a – because sure. there was definitely a lot of plays that I saw that if the quarterback was able to lead him a little bit more, would have been a surefire touchdown. Instead, he had to make a great catch between two defenders. I remember in one mm -hmm. play that I saw, there's a couple times where he had to come back to the ball, yet with his speed, he was still able to score. But just at times, if he had a more accurate quarterback, I think his stats would have been that much higher in his 2022 season for sure. But like, like I said, still used displaying great skills. The biggest thing, though, that – this is the thing that worries me with Quentin Johnson, which is said, I think why um, scouts are going to be looking at him for his potential more than his on-field ability right now to be a day one guy is that he has the size, but he doesn't show that he wants to be physical. Like, I mean, I see him on run plays. There's a lot of times I see him just, you know, very lackadaisical. He's just going through the motions very much on run plays and pass plays that are not going his way. He just doesn't look to be giving full effort all the time that I saw. Um, and 100%, like I said, on run plays, he just like sort of goes up there, puts his hand on the defender and then just stops. It's very much just like this guy could be a physical force and he could dominate the defenders against him, especially the red play. But just I don't see it or I don't see it consistently enough. Like there's few and far between times where I saw him actually get his hands on a defender, actually move him out of the way to let the ball carrier behind him get past him and possibly get some open running lanes that way too. And I think one of the biggest things is that because of his ability to be a speedster and his agility, I think he doesn't always use it the most efficient way. I think you see his route tree. It's very much deep related. So you see some corners, you see some posts, you see the deep route. But besides like the drag route right up the middle, I don't see much effort on the curl routes and the comeback routes and slant routes where it's like you need to show a little bit more, you know, you need more tricks in your skill set, right? As far as like how you're going to set up your defender to get to the next route. I don't see that enough with Quentin Johnson. It's like pretty much he's using all his raw speed ability and then it's just not leading to much, especially on the shorter route. So he definitely needs to develop more of his route tree. Um, like I said, I think the run blocking, I think is going to hurt him a little bit. But like I said, he's still my number one because the potential's there. All the negatives that I said, that is coachable at the next level. It may take a little bit of time. So like I said, he's not going to be a day one immediate producer. Maybe, 
in certain cases, if he lands with the right team where they already have established stars, then maybe he could sort of be there to sort of learn from them and chip in every so often as he continues to learn. But if he lands on a team like, you know, before Carolina signed Adam Thielen and traded for Hayden, uh, signed Hayden Hurst, it's like that, that team cool. where they had LaVishka Chenault and Terrace Marshall Jr. If he landed on that team, he wouldn't have produced at a high level, especially if they asked him to start right away, right? So, I like I said, for me, I still have him at number one is because I see more potential with him, whereas Jackson Smith and Jigba and also Jordan Addison, which we'll get to in a little bit, they're sort of like already at a very high level. They definitely can go more than that. But while they're ready right now, I think the potential with Quentin Johnson can make him go higher as far as being a higher quality receiver compared to the other two. But obviously, I think you've seen a lot more tape of this guy. So you talk to me about your thoughts on Quentin Johnson. So I will say this. uh, I know this is semantics, but he is not physical when it comes to run blocking. When it comes to the yards after catch and, you know, the actual receiving game, Mm -hmm. he is physical as any other receiver in this year's draft. Um, he is a tough dude. He will not give up on the play. And I I do agree that he is probably the most, I don't even think probably he is almost definitely the most athletic receiver in this year's draft. That's why everyone loves him because he is the prototypical. Like if you could make, uh, Quentin Johnson in a lab that that's where you're at. 63208. Like he is uh, like, he, he is all there. You got him. Um, the, here's here are my issues. Well, you know what? Let me let me say this first. Is he is without doubt? I need to throw in as many compliments as I can, so I can be like, hey, I said this before I start criticizing him. <laughs> yeah. Um, without a doubt, the best yards after catch receiver in this year's draft. There's no competition anywhere close to him. His, I know I kind of spoke about this with uh, with Najigba, but with Johnson. Like you said, Emer, he has that pure athleticism where if he goes, he goes. He has one of my favorite – not even one of. Let me scratch that. Without a doubt, my favorite college play of all time. He runs a short, shallow crossing route against Michigan, catches the ball. Corner actually makes a pretty solid read, tries to tackle him, and goes a little too low, breaks off a 75-yard touchdown. And that is Quinn Johnson's specialty is he will take a play that doesn't look busted, but you're like, okay, that was a solid play. And then just explode it for a touchdown. He did it time and time again. So why is he not my number one? Now, there are a couple of reasons for this. The first one is um, I'm a little concerned about his drops. He did did have some drop issues. I I think it's a bit of an overrated concern with him. I'm not saying that is his biggest concern. That's why I'm talking about this one first because it's the fastest. Yeah. He does tend to try to catch with his body. Sometimes drops some easy ones. So I think that might hurt his draft stock a bit. (sighs) Here we go. His limited route tree, I completely agree with you, Murr. He basically ran a curl, a drag, or a go. That's basically all he ran at TCU. He did all three absolutely fantastic, but. You know, he, it's 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 going to take some development. On top of that, I really worry about him in the short passing game. He mm-hmm. thrived in the medium to long passing game. But mm-hmm. when you force him, not always in press coverage. I'm not just talking press coverage. I'm talking about, oh, here's a slant. He didn't always do so great. And that's where yeah. his catching ability kind, kind of comes into play. And that's how Georgia shut us down. Georgia shut TCU down by eliminating the deep passing game. So they're like, all right, we need to utilize QJ. In the short passing game, and look what happened. One catch for two yards. And that was my biggest concern was if you force him to be a short play receiver of like, hey, run this you know, three-yard slant. Run this you know, four-yard out. He doesn't do that well. Yeah. So, again, he, he kind of lacks that you know, 
and this is how I rank my wide receivers is who's going to be that true number one outside guy. Who's going to be, you know, the, the next star receiver. I just don't see it in Quinn Johnson. And here's my biggest concern with him. And maybe, and and this is another reason why he's my number two. I've been burned. I've done this before (laughs) where I've been like, this guy is going to be great. It's fair. He's going to be amazing. And I, I believe in him. You want to know that guy's name? Josh Doxson. Yeah, I was about to say. It's yeah, Doxson. it's Josh Doxson, who went before Justin Jefferson. I was like, you know what? It's okay. They play differently, but J- Doxson, he can do it. He can do that in the NFL. He didn't do shit in the NFL. Yeah. Like, literally nothing. So maybe it's just the fact that I've been burned by a super athletic TC receiver I believed in before. Yeah. But that's my – I'm not saying that QJ is incapable of doing it. Oh, definitely not. And this is the great, you know, response from a draft analyst. I don't know if he's capable of doing it, but that's the biggest concern because if he can play like he did in college in the pros, he will be amazing. He will be the next great receiver. Absolutely. But I'm just not convinced that his skill set, his polish, the time needs to develop him. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, hey, if you develop him and like take it slow. The, the take it slow with draft prospects, especially top 10, top 15, hell, even top 20 picks now, feels like it's over. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a couple of exceptions, but in the most case, I feel like if you're not good within two years, the team's cutting bait. So that's my biggest concern because I agree with you. All the physical, t- physical tools are there for him to succeed, but he needs good coaching. He needs a little bit of polish on basically every part of his game to truly succeed. I just don't know if there's a team that's realistically going to draft him that can give him that opportunity. That's why. And this, again, I don't care if this makes me sound like a bad TCU fan. I hope he slips to the twenties because if he slips to the twenties, he goes to a team that has that patience and that's where he'll succeed. Mm -hmm. So maybe me putting him number two is actually me putting him as like number one, because I think that's best case scenarios. Najigba is the one that goes top 12. And then Johnson's the one that slips to an actual good team that can afford to let him develop. No, I think that's the biggest thing is just I see the potential with him. It's like he gets fixed the things that he sort of has issues with because I bet you the drops are more attributed to the fact that he wants to take the ball and run with it right out. Well, and that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. Every time – Focus like, catches, right? You can, yeah, you can literally like see him turn his head as the ball is still headed his way. It's like, no, 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 say I'm the ball. Yeah. I'm the ball, buddy. Yeah, so they're called focus drops, right? Where it's just like, you know, you're just not maintaining full composure where the ball is coming into your hands. Yeah, you're already hands. thinking about the next play. So those are things that can easily clean up. Like I said, and the route tree, you could develop that. He can be a little bit more physical. He'll build up some mass. We say this all the time with these draft projects, right? You go into the weight room, you put on an extra 10, 15 pounds of muscle mass. You're going to be a little bit better in the game overall for all positions, right? So I see the potential. That's why I still keep him at number one. I completely understand why you have him at number two and you have Jackson Smith Jigba at number two, but let's discuss the third. Oh, I missed a cheat code. Here. I should go one A, one B. Damn it. <laughs> you could have done that. Damn let's it. definitely get to the third guy here because in some eyes, maybe people see him as the number two guy or potentially the number one guy in this year's draft class. And that's um, LFB's own this USC's Jordan Addison. He was a, you know, a former Bolitnikov award winner. 
Um, I mean, you just see him with the transfer, him play with Caleb Williams, another transfer. You didn't see any sort of misconnections as far as chemistry. They looked really well, good together. Um, similar skill set to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Obviously, you see the polished route running. You see the effortless catching. You see the, you brought this up, spatial awareness where he knows what to do with the ball after he gets it in his hands. I mean, just it doesn't look hard for him. He's just a natural player on the field at the wide receiver position. Um, the biggest thing, though, unfortunately with him is just it's the size element where it's like I brought this up before in one of our episodes when we did our top 10 rankings, if I remember correctly. It might have been another episode, but it's just like you see the small frame, you see the small size, and you wonder whether that could translate to the next level. Well, Ted, I'm going to give you two names that were coming at the smaller uh, smaller size, make and build, that are easily good receivers in the league now. One is Devontae Smith, which I brought before, but the other is Tyler Lockett with the Seattle Seahawks. Both of them have been able to make the transition, being small, undersized receivers, a little bit, you know, undersized on the weight as well, but they've been able to make that transition just fine. I see the same thing here happening with Jordan Addison. Even at his size, though, I see him being a good blocker, too. Like, I see him there willing to come in. Like, they line him up at the line of scrimmage just sort of like a motion guy he chips the defensive end before he goes out on his quick slant route I mean they, he, when he's lining up to block for the running back as well I see good blocking technique so I mean this guy is willing to get down and get dirty to block these guys to make sure that he's he's setting up his ball carries to succeed right so it's like not all about him but when he's running his routes when he's playing the receiver position it just looks easy for him he looks like a natural at the position so i mean i could see why he could be the number two guy or potentially a number one guy in this wide receiver draft class but i think based on what i've seen from jackson smith and jigba and what i've seen from quentin johnston i'm still going to keep jordan addison number three but just really quick here tad what are your thoughts here on jordan addison so I don't have a pro comp to uh, first make, uh, you know, talk about Jordan Addison. I actually have a fellow NFL draft prospect comp. How about that okay. for a first? All right, let's hear it. When people ask me about Jordan Addison, here's my here's my reaction. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. He might be good. I don't know. I really don't. And I do, but I'll get to that. Uh, and my, my draft comp for that is he's the Anthony Richardson of receivers. Okay. All right. Interesting. Because what I mean by that, he drives me nuts. There's some game, not, not plays where Anthony Richardson will make a good play one you know down. And then the very next down will make a terrible play as in we'll do that with games, right? There'll be certain games where I'm like, oh, okay. I see the love for him. I get it. And then there'll be other games where I'm like, I really like this guy. Really? And I, I, I oh man, LAFB is going to tear me apart on this one. But here's my my concern with Addison, okay? He played mostly in the slot at Pitt, where he won the Blitnikoff Award. Wow. Cannot believe I just pronounced that correctly. Uh, but he, that is where he was the most successful, okay? He goes to USC. Good career move. Not going to blame him at all. Where he plays mostly outside. His production, I won't say tanks, but drops fairly significantly. Where he only puts up 859 yards at USC. Where that is a major concern for me. I know the excuses that people are always already going to hit me up in, in Slack. Is, oh, he was surrounded by more talent. They couldn't, you know, pass the ball to him as much. Oh, they didn't. But here's the whole thing. If they surrounded him with more talent at USC, and he couldn't produce around that talent... Why can he produce around NFL talent then? And so, I, again, I know this is coming off more brutal than it seems because I'm not saying Addison's going to be a bust. I just I don't think 
going and maybe it is my LAFB by not bias, but like influence that like going into the season, I was expecting him to be like the end all be all out receiver. And ultimately I just found out with a bunch of like, okay, he's good, but God, there's a lot to work on there. So you can't say he had QB issues as you can with a most receivers that, you know, their production drops because Caleb Williams won the freaking Heisman. So that's not an issue. So I think his biggest issues are one, he lacks the top end speed. He's fast. He's fast. Yeah. I'm not going to bring up the 40 time. I'm not going to bring up the 40 time. Cause I think Jamal Monty would kill me if I did that. So I, I think that what his biggest problem is, is when he has space, he succeeds when he is pressured at the line of scrimmage, even a little bit. Oh, good Lord. Like he just cannot create separation at all. And that's why again, he's, he reminds me a lot of Najigba in the way that yes. you play him at the slot. That's great. I think he'll do uh, pretty well and not very well in the NFL, but I think a lot of teams are looking at him like an outside receiver. I don't trust him as an outside receiver to succeed in the NFL. So I think that there's a lot to love with Addison, but I think there's a lot of holes that people are overlooking partially because of the USC name. I think that's why that was such a big career move. I think if he was still a pit and Pitt played him the same way, I don't think you'd even be in the first round discussion to be perfectly honest. It makes a ton of sense, but I think, like I said, I see enough of redeeming qualities with Jordan Addison where it's like I can see him still being number three in this receiver class. Like, I mean, looking 100%. at some of the, some of the three, other receivers. Three just, is a perfect spot for him. Three is a perfect spot for him in this class, but it's just I don't see the love that some people are giving him where he's like, he could go top ten. Like, what he should not go top ten. He should not. <laughs> I'm sorry. And also another thing, Amir, just real quick, uh, something I want to discuss with you. Can we please stop with the Tyler Lockett, Devontae Smith comparison? I get what you're doing with the size and everything. <laughs> the, their play style is not similar in at all. I'm not saying it's a similar play style. Know, I'm saying know, it's a similar make and build that might have had questions no, coming out of the draft. No, that's fair. They were able to make the transition. That was the point I was trying to make. I, and I yeah, think Jordan Addison make, make the same thing. I just want to make that clear because I, I see that a lot too where people are like, but Devontae Smith was so good because Devontae Smith has a different type of game. They don't play the same type of game, which is where why, I, I actually like Devontae Smith because, yeah, he was small, but I don't care if an outside receiver is small as long as he can create separation. And again, that's my biggest concern with Addison is he can't create separation. So that's why I don't like the comparison. But in terms of make and build, you are absolutely correct. The durability thing, I think that's kind of going out the window, especially because the more people always talk about the more quarterbacks are protected. Wide receivers are getting protected a lot more too now. So I think the durability concern, it's more of like, does this guy have a muscle issue? That I'm concerned about. I know the irony of me saying that as I have Njigbo just battled a hamstring injury as number <laughs> one. But I, I think that's the biggest, bigger issue rather than like, oh, can he take a big hit? Because receivers aren't getting hit big anymore. No, it's completely fair. But I think we're both in agreement that I think Addison can firmly sit in number three. So, yeah, um, number three. Between Johnston and Smith and Jigba, I mean, you could argue one is at one, one is at two. But yeah, it could be a 1A, 1B type of situation, which you wanted to do earlier. But clearly, you know, you missed that boat, unfortunately. But I think, you know, wait for us to drop our wide receiver rankings. We're going to be giving you full rankings there for sure. Full top 10. Full about top 10. Our entire top 10 there. But I want to get to some receivers, Tad, that are maybe not being discussed in the top 10 or maybe they are that either deserve a little bit more love as far as like maybe they're just not getting the same attention that obviously some of these other receivers are and maybe some that are getting the attention that you may be a little bit surprised that they are getting that type of attention so give me another receiver that you want to talk about here 
Oh, I got two guys I love. I didn't even go hater here. Okay. I, I went I went <laughs> hater with the top three. I, I I need to go all love and then on a good note. All right. First guy all I want right. to talk about is he's he's probably landing a lot. I think almost definitely landing a lot of people's top tens is uh, proof that I don't really look at other people's rankings. I honestly have no idea like where he's really late. I think he's landing in the middle. It doesn't matter. Anyway. This is a guy that the more tape he watched, I I, I watched of him. Um, it was weird because I he wasn't as good as I was expecting, but I definitely still like him just as much. So let me explain that. This is Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. So okay. I I understand the hype around this guy because I'm mean, just like if if you're wearing a you know I, I think we were playing this in Slack the other day where it was uh, QBA QB. Uh, B, Q, B, C. By the way, were those ever revealed? Yeah, they were revealed. Oh, you guys sent me those results. You know what? <laughs> we'll put that out on Twitter. Um, but it's if I told you there was an SEC receiver who had 15 touchdowns and nearly 1,300 yards last year, you would think almost immediately, well, that dude's got to be a first-round consideration. But the problem with Jalen Hyatt is he doesn't have a lot of refinement to his game. Yeah. Now, with that said, though, the pure athleticism to his game is absolutely off the charts. I love this dude as an athlete. There's so many plays where Tennessee put him in motion slightly behind the line and then just set him straight up the field. I don't care who your corner or safety is. When you get that guy going like top speed, no one's catching up to him. Okay, so you have the absolute true definition of a home run threat in Jalen Hyatt. So if he goes to the right team, I mean, this is a guy that could be a true difference maker for a team. And this is like mid-round guy that, and this is not my comp because I have a, another comp that's different. I'll explain why. This could be a mid-round to late-round guy um, like Tyreek Hill where it's like, how do we let a fast little dude like this get away from us? How did this happen? Now, Tyreek Hill is not my comparison for Jalen Hyatt because to Tyreek Hill's credit, he is a better route runner. He is more polished as a receiver. Knows how I keep using that word. I look for the polish and receiver. What? How much do I need coaching up when you get to the next level? Yeah. With Jalen Hyatt, when it comes to the next uh, route running and understanding defenses, quite a lot. So he doesn't have as much polish as Tyreek Hill has because that was my big concern when he went to Miami was, well, you know, Miami's not just like a, you know, run 80 yards and we'll toss it to you because we have Patrick Mahomes. But Tyreek Hill proved me wrong there. It's like he showed, hey, I can run routes. I can find the middle of the field. I can do this. Jalen Hyatt won't be able to do that. So what's another small, speedy receiver where it's basically like, if you're open, you're going to get a lot of big yards. If you're not, you're not getting the ball. I think Jalen Hyatt is the next Marquise Hollywood Brown. Interesting. Okay. Okay. You seem to love that comparison. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Hollywood Brown, that's why. But well, you, you know what? Thing. You know what? None of you were, and I was right about him in fantasy football last year. So how about that? Right about what? Remember, everybody? Was, do I really need to bring up the Allen Robertson, Robertson thing again? Well, not the Robertson thing, but what was it about Hollywood Brown? It was who's going to be better, Robinson or? Uh, and yes, we know it's Robinson. Just go back and watch our draft for that inside joke but it was the whole debate was who's going to be better in fantasy robinson or hollywood brown hollywood brown was better yeah but not by much he was 20 he was up by 12 spots okay whatever continue as you take okay no i will no you do not take this victory away from me i refuse <laughs> to allow that how dare you sir anyway so jalen hyatt i really like the other guy like oh god i'm gonna try this okay <sighs> Andre Yoshivash? 
I think it's Yosivas, right? Based Asava. on based on what no. we were listening to earlier before Yo, we recorded. Yosivas. Yosivas. Damn it, I missed the H. You're right. It's Yosivas. No, it's Yosivas. There is no Yoshi. H. There. I, I'm seeing she. I think it's C. What based off the videos that I was watching earlier. All right, it's Andre. We're gonna call him Yoshi because that was gonna be my <laughs> oh, my God. my original nickname for him. With uh, this, I, that's a great nickname, Yoshi. He should be proud of that. That's a great nickname. So he is the wide receiver at Princeton who was a Senior Bowl standout. And I the the more I, I didn't watch a ton of him going into the Senior Bowl. I watched enough to be able to be like, okay, I got a feel for this guy's game. The more I watch of him over this these past couple days, the more I was like, okay, now I see the love for him because he will not be second, third round pick. He will likely go fourth, fifth, or sixth. Uh, if he slips to the seventh, that's going to be a hell of a seventh round pick. And let me tell you why. He has all the physical tools to be there. He is 6'3", 205 pounds. He's already a great physical prospect. He went to uh, Princeton as a track star. So he started as a track star, then went to football. He has a 39 inch vertical. Yeah. No, he's a that is yeah that that is ridiculous. A 39 inch vertical and the athleticism. And honestly, and I know I I I've been kind of rough on him this episode, but again, I like QJ. But it, Andre uh, or Yoshi is basically the uh, Quinn uh, Johnson of the Ivy League. It was like he was just such a more superior athlete. Than everyone in the game, where this is the same skill set I saw from both QJ and Yoshi, is that their ability to adjust to the ball in the air is mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. though, if the quarterback's bad, because it's Princeton's quarterback, sorry, dude, you're not that good. Uh, his body control is just off the books good. So I was really impressed with that. I really liked his uh, separation ability. Now, the one problem with the separation ability is, is it good because he's a good route runner or is it good because he was playing lesser talent? I don't know. That's really, that's a risk you run with these small, you know, smaller school guys. But there's enough promise there where I think he can do that uh, in the NFL. So I, I think there's a lot to work on his game. He's <clears throat> a very stiff player. His route running needs a lot of refinement. I mean, if we're talking limited uh, route tree, he, his is even more limited than the QJs. So there, there is a lot of work that needs to be done there. But overall, I think that there are all the skills there and all the athleticism there for him to succeed as long as a team is willing to you know, have the patience to let him develop. And this is where the difference between him and QJ lie is because if you're a fifth or sixth round pick, as long as you're shown some promise, you have that time to develop with no pressure. And I think that's where he'll succeed. So I really, really like Yoshi. And I think that if he goes to the correct team, he could be the perfect, like, you know, fifth or sixth round pick that two years from now, we're like, Oh wow, this guy's good. No, that's fair. I mean, you went from the, one of the biggest <laughs> college conferences in the sec to one of the smallest in the Ivy league. So oh, yeah, you're covering a, both it's the upside down triangle. It's the you're covering down both. Yeah, I like exactly. it, but yeah, Jalen Hyatt, I think just the one thing I worry about him is just, yeah. Is he a one trick pony? Is he only a deep? He is. No, he, he is. It's not if yeah. he is, but like I said, if, because then we need to see if he could develop that at the next mm-hmm. level. So yeah. hopefully he can, because then he could be more of a dynamic producer. And the same thing with Andre uh, Shivas here, where it's like, I've seen a little bit of the tape. I see the speed, but yeah, once again, it's just, can he develop more? And was it more of him being the big fish in the little pond? What's going to happen when he gets to, you know, little fish, big pin, big pond sort of thing. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. can he still translate that talent? It will be so we'll interesting. See about that. 
We yep. will see about that. So I want right, to get to my got? receivers who here. You got? So I'm going to go to Iowa State, and I'm going to bring mm. up Xavier Hutchinson. So finalist for the Blitnikoff Award here in 2022. He had 107 receptions, which was third in the nation, 1,171 receiving yards, which was eighth in the nation, and he also scored six touchdowns. So, I mean, he's a versatile receiver, can play both on the outside and on the inside. That's the way Iowa State liked to use him as his primary receiver. He's great off the line, can easily move maneuver around defenders like I mean I saw a lot of great skills to just get by the defender to get open to get open for his quarterback specifically um good route running skills I was able to see him you know good off the drags good off the slants the comeback routes were good you know you could see him hit the go route he was he once again one of those receivers that doesn't have that top end speed where you know you completely take the top off the defense to totally be like a full range dynamic threat on the field but like I said he has really developed all those other skills to make him a quality receiver without having that top end speed can track the ball really well he's one of those guys that can sort of contort his body to make the catch like in the red zone absolute sensational player in the red zone can catch those 50 50 balls high points the ball really well gets over the defender great athleticism there to sort of do all those things in the run game excellent blocker as well as setting up for his fellow receivers on screenplay so it's like he's doing all those other things well but just that's the big thing like i said he just doesn't have that top end speed that's like if he catches a deep ball and he gets past the defender defender could probably easily catch up to him stop him for a long game but can sort of prevent those home run plays same thing as far as like going on a deep route maybe the defender will be with him shoulder to shoulder but like i said he has the great ability to locate where the ball is sign um push off the defender a little bit you know with with a little bit of you know veteran moves as they like to call hey, not, if, you, not if you can get away with it if you can get away with it, it ain't no foul it'll depend once he gets to the next level right but he's doing the small things to sort of get the separation he needs to make the big plays and like i said it won't lead to a home run play but definitely big plays down the field he could still contribute those things so here's the pro comp that i have for him ted Keenan Allen, because I was actually watching oh, Keenan okay. Allen and he went in the third round and a lot of the same things that they were saying about Keenan Allen that are that they're actually saying about Xavier Hutchinson is that he lacks the top end speed. He's great at blocking, can make the great route running skills, can cut on a dime to get, come back to the receiver on curl routes, on drag routes, can easily separate from the defender. But just like I said, that was the big thing. He just didn't have that top end speed to completely break away from a defense if he gets a short go route, um, sorry, a short slant route, excuse me, to then turn it into a go route. Or if he's sent on a go route, can he fully separate from a defender? He didn't have those types of skills. So I see a little bit of that comparison Comparison trades with Keenan Allen and Xavier Hutchinson. Hutchinson right now is going somewhere as far as like, you know, number 12 to number 15 on people's wide receiver ranking. So I see him as possibly being a mid day two pick, possibly early day three pick, but whoever gets him, I think if they can use him the same way, where it's just like you use this guy as like a chain mover, as a good yards after the catch type of guy, but not as a guy that you're standing on a deep go every single time, like a Tyreek Hill, like some of those guys, you're not using this guy the same way. If you could use him the way that Los Angeles is using Keenan Allen, oh my God, he could be a huge different maker and an absolute steal in this year's draft, because based off what I've seen, he can be a real big difference maker at the next level. So I'm going to get to my next guy here, Tad, and then you Go can sort it. of give your opinions on both of them here. And I'm actually not as high on this guy, but a lot of people have this guy in their top 10, and that's Nathaniel Tank Dell out of the University of Houston. So 
eye-gouging stats, like amazing what this guy has done, led the nation in receiving touchdowns last season, led the nation in receiving yards last season, and he was second in receptions last season. He only trailed the leader by one reception. Um, I mean, the guy was just an absolute burner in Houston, like just no trouble getting over the top of the defense. It's just Pretty much he was a touchdown way to happen. Every single play that I saw this guy take, as far as whether it's a jet sweep, whether it was a screen, whether it was a deep route, like, I mean, it pretty much looked like he was going to score every time he caught the ball or was touching the ball. Like, I mean, he has that type of ability. Um, highly productive in college, but just that's the thing that sort of worries me a little bit. We've sort of seen this with the University of Houston offense, where it's like a little bit more wide open. It's letting their receivers get uh, get as wide open as they can because they play these four wide, five wide receiver sets. It's a very pass-friendly offense, so naturally he's going to be getting the ball a lot more. So it's like you wonder whether that will translate to the next level. Um, here's the big one too, Ted. He's one of the smaller receivers that I can remember coming into the draft here. He's coming in at 5'8", 155. Tad, on the, on the University of Houston website, they listed him as 5'10". They gave him a two full inches two on inches. the school website. They, they, they like, did the NBA combine thing where they put him in some sneakers and they were like, probably, yeah, that I have no idea. He grew his hair out for like a high top, maybe. I have no idea, but just. I, I, I like, assumed that did that today. We, we were doing a measuring contest in one of my classes today and he wore his hoodie. I'm like, that gives you a half an inch. Take it off. <laughs> so I was surprised that they exaggerated by that much, but these are his combine measurements to come in at 58155. So I worry about that because you're purely going to have to use him as a slot receiver then. I, you can't put this guy on the outside. As much as you see the production, as much as you see the talent where he could sort of make the plays as a high talented receiver, it's just you wonder whether that will translate to work against these more bigger physical corners. So I'm curious to see what happens there. Um, like I said, I think just the offense benefited him a lot as far as his skill set. So whether that's going to flourish at the next level, I think he needs to land in the right team. So we talked talked about this before you brought up Tyreek Hill he benefited a lot from being in Kansas City system was he able to refine his skills yes he was but he was able to rely early on on his speed and just his ability to absolutely burn past defenders that's the same thing that I see here with Tank Dell where it's like if he lands on the right team that plays a more wide open style of offense then maybe he could succeed early but otherwise I see him being very much like Tavon Austin, where oh. you see the skill set oh. there, and he was taken, unfortunately, a little too early. Tad, do you remember when he was drafted? A little too early. It was, do you remember uh, how high no, he was drafted? It, it was number eight to the St. Louis Rams, if I'm not mistaken. You're absolutely correct. It was number eight to the St. Louis Rams in the 2013 NFL oh, yeah. draft. Oh, yeah, but no, just... we're, bad, we're bad fans because we never went to the games. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. But I think just the big thing is just you spent a high draft pick on that receiver, and just the problem was when he got to the next level tad it's just you saw flashes of it but it was never consistent enough where he never went this is Tavon Austin specifically he never went over a thousand scrimmage yards in any of the nine years that he played in the NFL he finishes nine-year career with 3,600 scrimmage yards and 26 touchdowns so it's just I worry I, I know I'm TL's actually I'm actually shocked it's that high <laughs> so I'm worried that Tank Dell, he's not going to get drafted as high as Tavon Austin, thankfully, but whichever team not. takes him, they need to understand that they need to use him the proper way, or the team that takes him needs to understand that this guy is sort of tailor-made for a certain skill set. He's not going to fit on all 32 teams as offenses, right? So that's my biggest worry with Tank Dell, where it's like a lot of people are saying like, oh, this guy could be a sneaky top 10 uh, wide receiver in this year's draft class. But it's just like, I worry about just his fit with all 32 teams. So, you know, spoiler alert, he's not going to be in my top 10.
So, but just, yeah, Tank Dell, I've seen a lot of great things from him, but just, yeah, I just really worry about his size and make and build and just whether that skill set will translate to the NFL because he has to absolutely land. I can't stress that enough. He has to land the right offense. Otherwise, he's absolutely going to flame out. No, he absolutely does. Uh, I, I, he's not a true receiver in the NFL. He's just yeah. not. I'm sorry. And, uh, well, and to give him credit too, though, is Houston utilized him in an absolutely horrific way. I was watching some of his tape, uh, you know, earlier today, and there was one play where they ran up fade with him. Yeah. What are you I've doing? Seen that too. I was just like, you're Running no way. Running up fade with that yeah. man. Like, that is a horrific play call. So, uh, you know, Dana Holmgren, or not Dana Holmgren. Is it Dana Holmgren? Whatever the former. Holgerson. Holgerson. Thank you. I'm, I always <laughs> mix him and the former uh, Mike Holmgren. Mike Holmgren, yeah. Um, yeah. As soon yeah, as you yeah, heard yeah. that, I was just like, hey, nope, yeah, you're close. Yeah, you're close. Well, the the whole, the whole <laughs> always throws me off. But, um, yeah, Dana, like, man, I miss you at WVU, dude. Come on back to the Big 12. We'd love to. You know, kick your ass anytime. Uh, uh, you know, but my problem with Dell is he, he's not a true receiver, but he does have that athleticism that could yeah. be utilized in the NFL. So I, you hit the nail on the head where if he goes to the right team that can utilize that athleticism correctly, I actually think he has some promise in the NFL. Oh yeah, but, I do too. But like I said, he has to land in the right situation. Yeah. Now here's an interesting comp because it's not even a player that plays the same position as him. He reminds me a lot of a player that went in probably a similar round or similar area of the draft as him. He could be Isaiah Pacheco, where, yeah, he's inconsistent, but if you game plan right with this player, he could have a huge game. So I, I don't hate Dell, but as a top 10 receiver, absolutely not. Like, there, there's a lot of promise there. That's a perfect sixth, seventh round guy there for me. Like, if the Colts are sitting there in the sixth round and we're like, hey, you know, we just need a speedy guy on offense. Let's take this guy. I think that's great. I wouldn't be that upset. Now, if we took him in like the third round, I'd be very upset. Um, and I think that's the thing that worries me, Tad, is because you see the production the that pure he did. Athleticism, he's, did yep. he's probably going to go in the third or fourth round. Like, I very much see oh, that. I don't, I don't think. Uh, fourth round, maybe, but I don't think he'll go third. I'd be shocked if he did, just of the, because of the size. If he was like 5'10", 5'11", oh, still that fast, easily. that would scare the shit out of me. That would scare me a lot. Um, now with Hutchinson, I, I agree with basically everything you said. Now, the one thing I hate, not that you said, but what other people are saying of like, well, he only, you know, put up those stats because he's the only receiver they had. Well, if he's the only receiver they had, he got a lot of attention and he still put up that production. I will say he put up very similar production in 2021 when they had Charlie Kohler in the offense at mm -hmm. tight end position. They had Brees Hall at the running back position yep. and probably a really good quarterback in Brock Purdy playing there so like i no, mean really good for you guys for Iowa yeah, State, I'm not we'll so sure. We'll but uh <laughs> so i i like hutchinson i won't say i like him a lot but i definitely see the promise there um i need to watch more of his tape because obviously i only watched him when he you know played tcu other than that there, i watched him go. very very go. casually <laughs> um but there's enough promise there now the little bit i've seen of him i, I kind of have a similar well not similar uh nfl comp but uh, what I mean by similar is similar to the skill set you're talking about where he can be explosive. He can get you big yards, but not quite the explosive like home run guy. Yeah. Just explosive mm -hmm. like midfield guy. He reminds yeah. me a lot of Hakeem Nix. Ooh, I have to watch some Hakeem Nix tape, but that's very possible. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's the kind of NFL career I see him having of like a very solid NFL career. That's not Hall of Fame worthy. But honestly, like if if I draft a receiver in the mid rounds and he has a Hakeem Nix type career i am very happy with that so i i don't I, I like hutchinson i don't hate dell um 
It's just it's all about with Hutchinson. It, it, I I like him no matter what. With Dell, it is all about where he gets drafted. Like I cannot emphasize how spot on you are with that. Is because if he goes yeah. to if he goes to Indianapolis, I I know I said this, but if he goes to Indianapolis, terrible fit. Yeah, not going to be good. Agreed. But if he goes to and Kansas City, doesn't really need him. Let's see. If he goes to honestly. If he goes to Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, I think they could do a lot of interesting things with him. Yeah, that could be very interesting for sure. Yeah. So. Ooh, what about Atlanta? Arthur Smith? Arthur Smith wore the run first guy, so I don't know if he could benefit from using Tank Dell's yeah, set. Like dude, maybe turn Cordero Patterson into a star. Running no, that's fair. But Cordell's Cordero Patterson's a bigger dude. He could sort of take the well, that's running a, yeah, consistently. A little right, bit. So. I, I think two Dells <laughs> on top of each other would make one. Two Dells equals a Cordero. Is that the math that we're doing here? <laughs> Finally, I'm going to math. <laughs> there you go. Just got to make it edible draft terms here where it's like, you know. <laughs> uh, so those, that's our talk here about wide receivers. Like I sort of alluded to earlier, we're going to be releasing our wide receiver rankings, hopefully within the next couple of days. So you'll be able to check out our top 10. Like I said, spoiler alert, I don't think Tank Dell is going to be appearing in yeah, either sorry, mine guys. or Tad's sorry. top 10s. But like I said, he, he might be my 9 or 10. He might be my 9 or 10. I okay, won't rule we'll him out see. entirely. We'll see. Make sure you check out those rankings. Best way to check out those rankings. You see our ticker coming down below with all of our social media handles. You find us on Twitter. My personal handle, I'm the side 23. Tad's a Tad's side 94. Got the show handle at the side guys. And of course, we're on Instagram at the side guys as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen right on the LEFB Network website. Hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with our podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and make sure you're subscribing to the LEFB Network's YouTube channel. We have our own playlist there. So we still got some great content there. And of course, they have some great content when it comes to the chargers the rams the trojans and the bruins and of course some other content as well um so yeah make sure you're following all their content all of our content and guys i mean we can't appreciate everything as much as we can with all that you're doing for our podcast whether it's listening whether it's watching whether it's you know subscribing whether it's you know interacting with us on twitter make sure you're doing that we'd love to hear your thoughts on your wide receiver rankings it's just all draft related talk for sure but i mean guys we really just can't thank you enough for all that you're doing for us and yeah we have so many more rankings headed your way we are almost three days away from draft month the countdown will begin oh we should do some like countdown type thing we'll we'll talk about that but uh we are Hopefully so excited we'll get posted in time I've earned that. So if only <laughs> we are so excited to continue to bring you guys awesome draft content. And if there's draft content you want that we haven't touched yet. Like Amur said, hit us up in that ticker. If not, if at the very least Amur is more responsible than I, I am, he will have a graphic done in a very timely fashion. So that is the absolute best we can do for or an article. We can do an article as well. So if not an episode, so there, there are three different mediums we can hit you up on with your request. So if there's draft content you want, you need to let us know because we'd be more than happy to do it because we, we've done a lot of research and we do not want it to go to waste. And so it hasn't please, stopped yet. We oh, are continuing. No, it not. Oh, it's not even close. I'm not even halfway. I'm not I even like halfway. I'm not I don't know about you. Way. I still got a lot okay. more to go. Ah, yes. I got you beat. Let's go. Uh, so, Guys, but we do it all for you because you guys, your support is amazing. We really appreciate it as always. So as always, guys, thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And please stay safe, everyone.